We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today on the show. Or rather, it's good to be with you on the show. Wouldn't be a show without an audience. Amen. Here on American Family Radio. The name of the show is The Core. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today. The voice you heard in the background was Bobby Rosa. Bobby's in the house today. Always glad to be of service. Who knows what kind of tunes he's going to pipe in my ear mid-sentence <laughs> today. You never know what Bobby's got up his sleeve. All right. Well, uh, we're going to jump into our scripture for the day. Before we do so, I want to remind you that you can listen live to the show by going to our website, AFR.net. AFR.net's our website. You can also download the American Family Radio app. It's free on your smartphone, on your tablet device. Just type in AFR. Or type in American Family Radio. You can listen live on the app. We are live streaming on Facebook. Uh, On the Core Show page, we're live streaming on Facebook. So if you're a Facebook fan, you want to go watch there, you can do so. And um, lastly, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, you can type in the Core or uh, Walker Wobman the Core, and you can subscribe there. And then you'll get a notification anytime we publish a new podcast. Uh, you'll get the latest audio there for your convenience, for your leisure. Well, um, our scripture, Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's Psalm chapter 23. And I think this entire chapter could be our prayer, should be our prayer. Verse 4, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, so David went through difficult times too, just like you and I do. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, if you you doubt or if you think God cannot transform your heart, transform your mind, you're wrong. We've all been proven wrong before. Um, God can transform our heart. He can transform our mind. Read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. That's how God refines us. That's how he sanctifies us through the work of his Holy Spirit and through the renewal of our heart and the renewal of our minds. So we have to continue in God's word, 
continue relying on the work of the Holy Spirit, and then God, through his timing, through his will, uh, will change our lives, will change the way we think, will change the way we view things, and will draw us closer to himself. But we got to stand his word. We have to stand his word, and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Well, jumping into some of the stories for today, by the way, we're going to have on two special guests in the next two segments. We're going to have on Natasha Crane. She's an author and apologist. And we're going to talk about her latest book, Faithfully Different, next segment. And then the last segment, we're going to talk to Sergey Rakhaba. He's president of Mission Eurasia, Mission Eurasia, and he's doing a Christian humanitarian relief on the ground in Ukraine now. So we're going to talk about him, talk about the, the work of his ministry there, Mission Eurasia, and, uh, and what they're doing to help. Uh, people in Ukraine who have been displaced and have their have their lives turned upside down because of the war there. Uh, so we'll talk to Sergey Rakaba, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, last segment of the show today. Well, jumping into some of the news stories I wanted to get to, um, this, this uh, shooting up in uh, Buffalo, New York, is absolutely tragic. We actually had two or three tragic shootings over the weekend, not to mention the ones that happen every weekend in Chicago that almost don't get garner the atten- near the attention because they happen on such a recurring basis. But we had the uh, the, the the terrible shooting up in Buffalo, New York, where this uh, this uh, teenager targeted allegedly, according to his um. His whatever he left, he left a letter, 180 pages worth. Um, apparently, he was targeting people, black people or people with darker skin. Uh, apparently, he was racist and 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 hated people that didn't look like him, and that's what drove him to shoot people. A uh, shot, 11, I believe, um, 11 or 12 up in Buffalo, New York, in a grocery store. Absolutely heinous. Uh, 18-year-old traveled 200 miles from his home in Cochrane, New York, according to the Associated Press, and uh, he had the suspect here had been on uh, the radar of law enforcement for a couple of years now. He had an an incident at his high school where he threatened to shoot up the high school. Police were called in, talked to him. He had been uh, in the hospital with mental issues, uh, so he had a very troubled past, but. You know, overall, this this further emphasizes the need in this country for, for cultural transformation. Cultural transformation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we are living in a very dark time. And and, and this is no this is not novel to humanity. Humanity's gone through periods of darkness and man's man's heart has always been evil ever since the fall in the garden. But we're living in a country where you know, people just heinously shoot other people. We 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 allow we've been allowing abortion for forty plus years. The murder, the slaughter of innocent babies in the womb. We have people. Uh, I I brought a clip to Bobby's attention that we're going to bring on tomorrow. But I got a clip of a of a lady saying, "Yeah, we should you should uh, you should be able to kill a baby even after they're born," mm-hmm. which goes back to the Virginia, the former Virginia governor, and. Uh, Northam and the clip a couple of years ago where he says, uh, you know, yeah, but, but once babies are born, 
they should be placed on the table and, and then the, the, the doctor and the mom can have a conversation about what they want to do. And so this is a very, this is very dark stuff. And we have, we have entertainment, so-called entertainment, you know, coming out of Hollywood and other parts of the country that's just vile. It's just vile. And ha- half of the movies on the market are more than that. You can't even watch with your family. We got video games where all you do is run around and kill people. And not like kill people in a war, uh, a just war, a righteous war. No, you just you just run around and kill people so you can steal their car. Grand Theft Auto. And so we're in a society where life has been heavily devalued. Where godly godlessness is rampant. Godliness is mocked. We don't need God in schools. We don't need God in government. We've got this figured out. That's what many say. Thumb their nose at God. And so what do you expect? What do you expect? When you thumb your nose at our creator and you have a society that largely rejects our creator. Now, you get tragic situations like what happened in Buffalo, New York. Uh, another thing I did wanted to bring up, another shooting happened in California. This was at a Presbyterian church in uh, Laguna Woods, California, in Orange County there. But one individual was killed, five hurt here at this Presbyterian church. And details are still coming out about that. And then uh, Chicago, this is like every weekend in Chicago. This is like every weekend in Chicago. Uh, the mayor there, Lori Lightfoot, she just announced that they're moving up the curfew for minors from 11 p.m. to 10 p.m. Chicago has to have a curfew for minors, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, because people are getting shot in the streets in Chicago on the weekends. And so we've got major, major problems in this country and um, the ultimate root cause of some of the evil that we're seeing is a problem of the human heart. It's a sin problem that can only be reconciled, that can only be healed uh, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's why our focus here at American Family Association and the focus of the body of Christ should uh, be to bring about cultural transformation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, moving on to uh, another story I came across. This is out of the Washington Post. And we, we've we've been reading the stories, you know, kind of getting uh, uh, tidbits of of reports that there were there was a lot of fraud as it relates to all the COVID relief money. Remember, we have COVID and then the government just says, well, we just need to spend $5 trillion. We just need to print, uh, print $5 trillion because of an upper respiratory virus in our country. And, of course, Washington's always looking for a reason to print more money, right? Uh, anytime there's a hint of a disaster or, or something not going right, uh, what do we do? We just print hundreds of billions of dollars. That's going to fix everything, right? <laughs> well, not so fast. So the Washington Post did this deep dive on pandemic relief funds and how they were spent. And listen to this. This is according to the Washington Post. The more than $5 trillion approved since the start of the pandemic has become a wellspring for criminal activity. 
allowing fraudsters to siphon money away from the hard-hit American workers and businesses who needed the help the most. Moving on in this uh, extensive Washington Post report, like eight pages, the exact scope of the fraud targeting federal aid initiatives is unknown even two years later. With unemployment benefits, however, the theft could be significant. Testifying at a little-noticed congressional hearing this spring, a top watchdog for the Labor Department estimated there, had, there could have been at least $163 billion in unemployment-related, quote, overpayments, a projection that includes wrongly paid sums as well as significant benefits obtained by malicious actors. Listen to this. So far, the United States has recaptured just over $4 billion of that, according to state workforce data. This data furnished by the Labor Department in March, that amounts to roughly 2.4% of the wrongful payments that's been recouped. If the government's best estimate is accurate, raising the specter that Washington may never get most of the money back. And I could go on and on. Pretty uh, pretty good job by the Washington Post, by the way. Every once in a while, they'll put out something very useful, very helpful, and this is one of them. So $163 billion in fraud, all in the name of COVID relief. And so here's the point I want to make with this, because after all, when was the last time Walker brought in a story and didn't have a point to go along with it? I'm not NPR. I've got my opinion. (laughs) I've got a reason, an intent behind bringing in the stories. And the point I want to make with this, before we wrap up this segment, is that if our own federal government cannot properly and responsibly disperse funds to eligible recipients and then cut off funds and do not disperse funds for non-eligible recipients... Domestically, through a well-established unemployment program, which has been around even before COVID, then how on earth can we expect the same folks to disperse $40 billion to Ukraine and expect it all to be spent wisely And as if it was the taxpayer right there in Ukraine dispersing the checks. It can't happen, which is why we should stop sending billions to places that are corrupt and that we cannot ensure where the money is spent. Be back in a few. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As the possible end of Roe draws nigh, several states are doing their level best to enshrine themselves as the most faithful adherents to the murderous abortion death cult. Senate Bill 669 in Maryland, also known as the Pregnant Persons Freedom Act, could allow babies to be murdered 28 days after birth, should the bill pass. California Assembly Bill 2223 could also legalize infanticide for weeks, months, or even years after a child is born, should it pass. These pieces of legislation reveal the utter barbarity that consumes the hearts of some in our nation. This is evil. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. A profound line in an old hymn says, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Did you know that at our core we all have hearts bent on rejecting God? That's hard to accept as true. But in Genesis 3, when the fall happened at the very first sin, our hearts were fractured to the root, but not beyond repair. Did you know we can find God's rescue plan through Jesus in verse 15? All along, even though our hearts are intrinsically flawed and at every turn we reject God, Jesus was already on his way to the cross. If your girl is in a season of wandering away from God, set your heart to pray for him to bring her back into the fold. Then rejoice in Christ's salvation and welcome her home when she returns. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. As a reminder, you can catch us live, catch the audio live at our website, AFR.net. Also by downloading the American Family Radio app. And then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, I want to introduce our guest that we have on the line now, Natasha Crane. She's an author, apologist, and she has an excellent book out called Faithfully Different, Regaining Biblical Clarity in a Secular Culture. Natasha, welcome to the core. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm just reading, uh, uh, I read a little bit about your book uh, and and basically the content within it, although I haven't read, read the whole thing. Uh, but tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and maybe a uh, glimpse into your testimony, and then we'll jump into the book. Sure. Well, I am a wife of 22 years. I have three kids. I have twins who are 13 and 11-year-old. I'm a homeschooling mom. And I also write books and speak and have a podcast, as you mentioned. And in my past professional life, I was actually a marketing executive and an adjunct market research professor. So I've done a lot of different things along those lines. Um, in terms of my spiritual background, I grew up in a Christian home and very thankful for that. 
But as I grew older, I hadn't really made my faith my own, which is so much the case for so many people. And it really wasn't until I had kids of my own that I started to realize that they were really growing up in a very different world than the one in which I grew up. And that led me to just go down this path of really looking for answers to some big questions that I saw the culture around me asking. And I discovered apologetics which is how you make a case for and defend the truth of Christianity. So I started writing about those subjects for parents specifically. I wrote three books for parents in that area. And my most recent book, Faithfully Different, is my first one for a broader Christian audience about regaining biblical clarity in a secular culture. Hmm. Well, I'm just looking at your bio here, and this is impressive. But my favorite part is that you homeschool all your kids. And uh, that's just, that's the most important part. You're helping to disciple and mold and shape your children. And you've got an MBA in marketing and statistics from UCLA. You've got a BA in economics from USC. Uh, you've got a, a certificate in Christian apologetics from Biola University. And you were a marketing executive and adjunct pro- marketing professor before you transitioned to what you're doing now, which is writing and speaking and, of course, helping to raise your children. So, uh I love it when uh, when I see moms embracing the role of helping to disciple and mold their children. Um, but your book that you wrote, faithfully different, uh, tell our tell our audience what drove you to wrote that because uh, write that because you've written a couple books, more apologetics themed books in the past about you know how to talk uh, to your children about God, so on and so forth. But what made you write faithfully different? Right. So I had been very focused on writing and speaking specifically about apologetics for parents and equipping parents. But during all the social unrest that was going on in 2020 and that summer, I started to see so many examples of Christians who were really allowing a lot of secular ideas to creep into their own worldview, rather than having a very clear biblical worldview of what was going on and having biblical ideas of justice in that example, they were latching onto a lot of secular ideas. And so I decided for the first time to write something on my website that was not just apologize for parents, but really an analysis of what was going on. And I wrote this blog post called Five Ways That Christians Are Getting Swept Into a Secular Worldview in This Cultural Moment. And that blog post went viral. It was liked and shared over 277,000 times. And I thought, wow, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. I thought that, you know, all I was writing about is apologetics for parents, but people were thanking me for weeks and emails and just saying, this is really helping with clarity. So I started writing more blog posts about how we're really starting to live more as an extension of the secular culture mm. rather than being a distinct light to it. And that resonated with so many people. And I kept having these blog posts go viral. And so I realized at that time that there was so much need to just help Christians think more clearly about what it means to have a biblical worldview in the midst of this very secular culture. And that's what ultimately led to Faithfully Different. Well, Natasha, it's, 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 it's kind of the cool thing to be different in our society. But, but here's the problem is that wanting to, just wanting to be different in the name of wanting to be different is not noble or virtuous, but what you write about in your book is being different because God's Word tells us to be different from the world. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's absolutely right. It, it's an interesting parallel that it is so great from culture's perspective to be, to be as different as you want to be. Be your authentic self. Uh, don't let anyone tell you who you are. Follow your heart. Unless you're a you Christian. Whatever you <laughs> Unless you're a Christian. That's exactly right. So the world is totally fine with you being different 
as long as you're looking to yourself as the ultimate authority. Mm. And that's so much of what I talk about here is that the fundamental difference between secular culture and a secular worldview versus a biblical one is that secularism is all about the authority of the self. It's you're the arbiter of truth. You decide what's true about the nature of reality. You decide what's good and bad and right or wrong. As long as you go along with that, secular culture is good with you. Mm. But if your authority comes outside yourself from, for example, God and through what he's revealed in his inspired and authoritative word, then that kind of difference is not okay. And the specific reason that difference is not okay is that now you believe that there is an authority outside of the self and that it's not just okay to be different for the sake of being different, but that there is a holy God who exists and who is your actual authority. People don't like that. <laughs> That's very offensive to the authority of the self. Yeah, and, and we were warned by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you know, that the truth of God's Word would not be, you know, culturally, quote-unquote, popular, um, and that difficulty would come for the body of Christ simply because we are adhering to God's Word and not the words of man in many circumstances. Well, uh, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the book, Faithfully Different, and uh, we'll have you on the show again sometime soon. Thanks so much for having me. All right, there you have it, Natasha Crane, her book, Faithfully Different, Regaining Biblical Clarity in a Secular Culture. And we'll put a link to her uh, book on our podcast page at AFR.net. Go to the core podcast page at AFR.net, and you can find a link uh, to click through to Natasha's book, Faithfully Different. Well, another story I wanted to bring in on the show today is what's going on at our southern border. And this has been a been a problem for some time now, well over a decade. Multiple administrations have faced this wide open border, illegal immigration rampant. But I was watching and reading and listening to a report this morning, and it really just hit me. Not that what I'm about to play and read is, is new or novel or this has never happened before, but just the the human cost of of allowing a, a nation's borders to be utterly disrespected and ignored. It has a human cost, and, and, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that, but the human cost is horrendous, and, and, and our leaders just seem to be fine with it. Our leaders just seem to be fine with it. Listen, to this is about a two, two-and-a-half-minute report from uh, Fox News. His, uh, the reporter's name is uh, Bill... Bill Melligan, and he's on the southern border in Texas. He's covering what's going on there. Thousands of illegal immigrants are crossing uh, by the day, up to eighteen thousand a day is what the projections are going to be. But listen to the listen to the the stories of the babies, of the toddlers, of the human smuggling. I mean, this is an utter humanitarian disaster. Clip four. The amount of fentanyl pouring into the country is just absolutely staggering. The state of Texas just reporting that since they launched Operation Lone Star in March of last year, they've seized about 344 million lethal doses. That's enough to kill every single American in this country. And people continue pouring in as well. Take a look at this video we shot right here late yesterday afternoon in Eagle Pass. This was one single group 
of about 125 illegal immigrants all coming across at once, uh, mostly Venezuelans, Colombians, and Hondurans. But Border Patrol tells us the problem with these large single groups is it is a huge drain on their resources. When they all come across at once, multiple agents have to respond and do processing and paperwork. That leaves other parts of the border unpatrolled, unmanned. The cartels know this, so they will push these groups across. And then elsewhere where there's no agents, they will push their drugs across, like fentanyl. And then part of this group, take a look at this video here. Mixed in was this two-year-old abandoned girl who was just dropped off at the river right here. The woman you see holding her, that's not her mother. That mom says two random men gave this little girl to her and told her, bring her across. The little girl had a piece of paper on her with her mom's name, phone number, and address in Dallas, Texas. So the property owner here, she called that mother, and the mom was very nonchalant, essentially saying, oh, my daughter made it across? That's great. She's with Border Patrol now. They'll eventually get her to me. Then, late yesterday afternoon as well, take a look at this video. This was a Haitian family that was struggling across the Rio Grande. You'll notice the man is carrying what appears to be a newborn infant across the river, a tiny little baby. And right before we started rolling this video, he was struggling in the water. He was submerged and was holding the baby above the water with his arms in an effort to protect it. Very dangerous here, multiple drownings in recent weeks, including that Texas National Guard soldier, Bishop Evans. And then last thing we wanna show you, take a look at this video. This is the aftermath of a human smuggling related pursuit in the Rio Grande Valley. You'll see Texas DPS was chasing this smuggler. He rolls the car over and 11 illegal immigrants bail out of the vehicle and go running all over the place. Texas DPS says they were only able to catch four out of the 11 illegal immigrants. Seven of them got away, including uh, the smuggler, and there were injuries associated with that crash. But uh, those sort of things, typical every day down here at the border. Also in Rio Grande Valley, Border Patrol, they're reporting that in a 48-hour span, they arrested two convicted child sex predators and four MS-13 gang members. That's just two days. So, so... The reporter there with Fox says this is this is a typical day. This is normal. It's normal to have toddlers, to have two and three year old toddlers hauled across the Rio Grande River without their parents and then just somehow expect that they're gonna get to their, their caregiver, their guardian, their parent. Then you've got a, a man hauling an infant across the river, and he nearly drowns, and the, the infant's going underwater. And then we've got human smuggling. We've got a car flipping and people running everywhere, and only four of the 11 were apprehended. And then at the beginning of the clip, he said that, that just since March of 2021, since the Texas governor uh, launched Operation Lone Star, They've seized, this is just the state government. This isn't including the feds. They've seized over 320 million uh, lethal doses of fentanyl. Enough to kill every American in this country. And so this is all going on under the Biden administration. Now he's about to lift Title 42, which is going to pour gasoline on an already existing fire. And they want to impeach Donald J. Trump for having a phone call with a corrupt nation's president telling him that he needs to investigate all the corruption that's going on in his country. Yeah, that was Donald J. Trump and the Democrats. 
They want to impeach Donald Trump for having a rally outside of the White House and telling people to peacefully go down to the Capitol. But Donald Trump, I mean, but but Joe Biden gets into the White House and and destroys our nation's economy through their terrible policies. And then allows this to happen to our southern border. And I just want to note, just because the destruction of our country is being brought about through the intentional policy implementations or the lack thereof, does it mean it's right and does it mean it's legal? Just because the president has the authority to negate or the ability to, to open our borders up doesn't make it right, moral, or good or lawful. Well, where are the Republicans impeaching Joe Biden for this humanitarian disaster at the southern border? And what do we do? Well, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. We, we allow Afghanistan to get handed back over. We hand Afghanistan back over to the Taliban. And then we send hundreds of military aircraft and private aircraft. And we, we fly out 100,000 Afghanistan nationals, and some of them come to America, and we do that in a matter of weeks. No problem. Logistical, logistically speaking, not a problem at all. We can do it. We're America. But we've got this open, we got this border with, with, with tens of thousands coming through. We've got babies dying in the river. We've got MS-13. We've got child sexual predators. We've got fentanyl coming over, killing our own citizens. And Biden can't even lift a finger for it. Well, Putin invades Ukraine. We're going to send the world to help Ukraine. $40 billion, $10 billion, $15 billion. We'll send all of our javelin missiles, tanks, military, whatever Ukraine needs. We're all about defending democracy while our own country burns. This is, this is I don't know how to explain this. This is criminal. The destruction of America while we go out and act like we're the world's policemen. I read today Biden's sending authorized special forces to go to Somalia. Sure, you need help down there, we'll send them. We got American blood we can spill, we'll send it to Somalia. What are we fighting for? Nobody knows. What are we fighting for in Ukraine? Nobody knows. What democracy, Walker? Ukraine ain't a democracy? They're one of the most corrupt nations, one of the one of the most corrupt developed nations in the world. That ain't democracy. You go read about their election corruption. Ukraine is not a democracy, folks. It's at least not an American-like democracy. So we're gonna spend 40 billion, 10 billion, 30 billion to Ukraine. And we saw how the whole doling out billions went in America during the whole COVID lockdowns, let's pay people to sit on the couch went, $163 billion down the drain to people we don't even know. And let's send $40 billion to Ukraine because Zelensky is going to spend that money wisely. AFA at the core will be back in just a few minutes. Picture a stormy sea. The waves are rolling viciously and the sky is darker than night. The crack of thunder can be heard over the roaring wind. A tiny ship is thrown wildly up and down as it rides the waves. 
The crew is just about to lose hope when someone spots a sudden flash in the distance. A lighthouse. Lighthouse for the Lost, an article by Parker May. To read this article, visit EngageMagazine.net. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted, and they are suffering big time right now. This is Bible League International, and 19-year-old Aria was beaten by her own father and violated by local authorities. You know what her crime was? Simply that she gave her life to Jesus Christ after leaving radical Islam. Now, she didn't grow bitter. She grew bold, and with others in her evangelical church near Cairo, Egypt, they've seen more than 300 come to Christ, but as new believers are pressured to renounce Jesus, they need Bibles in order to endure and persevere. And elsewhere in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight. Now, his family was unable to pay the ransom, so the Islamic radicals, they beat Yusuf and killed the deacon. But you know, in spite of this mistreatment and the loss of his friend, Pastor Yusuf says it is an honor to suffer for Jesus. And that's why we're sending God's Word at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. God bless you for caring. Proverbs tells us that only by pride comes contention. That means anywhere there's contention, in the home, in the workplace, in the church, the root of that conflict is always, always, always pride, arrogance. The Corinthian church is an example. They were proud of what they knew, proud of their past teachers, proud of their intellectual knowledge, proud of their spiritual knowledge. And because of that pride, there was contention. Their business meetings were war zones. They fought with each other. They couldn't get along with each other. The Apostle Paul said to that church and to us, love is not arrogant. If you're experiencing conflict in a relationship, ask God to show you any areas of pride in your heart. And then ask Him to fill your heart with His love. With Seeking Him, I'm Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, I told you first segment we were going to have some special guests on, and we did. We had Natasha Crane on, and now we have Sergey Rukaba, president of Mission Eurasia. Sergey, tell me I pronounced your last name correctly. Yeah, you know, I would uh, probably, uh, you know, practice a couple more times. You know, water, you know, so. <laughs> so, so I was close, but but, but not 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 correct. <laughs> yeah, but at least you pronounce you know my first name right, you know. So, and I'm so grateful, Walker, uh, you know, to have an opportunity and to be on your show uh, to bring your listeners up to date on what's happening actually on the ground in Ukraine. I was just there, you know, just got back over this last weekend uh, visiting, you know, the places where we are ministering at. And uh, so grateful that so many American Christian families are coming along with Mission Eurasia and the National Church 
in Ukraine, helping hundreds of thousands of devastated refugees, internally displaced uh, families that are in so much need because of this senseless war uh, uh, there. Yeah, this is it's truly a humanitarian uh uh, tragedy is what it is going uh, in there in Ukraine. You've seen that we've all read the reports of, you know, families being displaced and cities being bombed into oblivion. Uh, and I wanted to have you on, Sergey, because it is so important that we're aware of what's going on on the world stage, especially what's going on to, to the church, to Christians. And there's a fairly large uh, Christian population there in Ukraine. Tell us about that. Tell us about the church in Ukraine. Yeah, uh, the church is shining, uh, rising from the ashes of this destruction, Walker, if I can use this metaphor. Um, you know, I've been there for a few times now, and Mission Eurasia made Ukraine as its hub country uh, for the last uh, over 20 years, where we had our um, uh, field ministries center based right outside of Kiev, which uh, was just uh, 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 destroyed, you know, a couple of weeks ago by the Russian troops in a town of Irpin. Uh, but uh, uh, seeing the church, how church is, uh, uh, you know, coming to the edge or the front lines of the crisis, providing all what uh, they are communities uh, in need, you know, it warms my heart. Uh, you know, when my heart is broken, you know, to see overall the uh, the size of the crisis, you know, it's uh, so huge there. And I did not see so many governmental organizations there. I have not seen, you know, any of this uh, uh, state-supported agency. And I've talked to quite a few government officials in towns where we distribute where we distribute food. They say, if not the church community. If not this international NGOs like Mission Eurasia, Samaritans First, and others, I don't know if we would be able to provide food for so many refugee families that are searching for sustainable means to feed their families, you know, mm. so when they're running from this senseless, senseless war. Yeah, so and, and, I wanted to report. Yep. Yeah, and, and Sergey, one thing I wanted to applaud your ministry for is you guys spend your funds wisely. Uh, the the money goes to the work on the ground, and I and I, and I was reading up about your ministry, and you guys are ECFA approved, and the Evangelical yep. Council for Financial yep. Accountability, uh, AFA is a member of that, and so kudos to you guys. And and it, I've said this before, but Christian ministries are are the best uh, entities set up to help people in need. And this is exactly the case here, Sergey. Yeah, and I'm so grateful, you know, to all your listeners, Walker, too, that uh, chip in, you know, so and partner uh, with uh, organizations like Mission Eurasia when there is such a huge shortage of food, medical assistance, shelter, uh, clean water. You know, now we get reports from uh, eastern parts of the country where water supply was, was cut off. And these churches, you know, provide carrying water, actually delivering in tanks uh, to people where they are trapped there. So we are, uh, you know, integrity is one of our main principles uh, on which we base our ministry. And working with national churches, having staff on the ground, we are, uh, uh, you know, wisely and so um, 
uh, carefully using resources uh, that entrusted uh, to us uh, to provide food, shelter, medical assistance, uh, scripture uh, for spiritual comfort for thousands and thousands of needy Ukrainian refugee families. Amen. Uh, hey, Sergey, tell us where else you serve, because I, I just noticed Mission Eurasia. You guys cover a lot of countries. Tell our audience a little bit about that. Uh, Mission Eurasia was founded since the Soviet Union collapsed back in 1991, and our main focus was the ministry in the countries of the former Soviet Union. And there were 15 different uh, republics that, uh, since Soviet Union collapsed, uh, went on their own uh, and became independent. And that was our main focus uh, for all those years. Since Russia's first uh, invasion to Ukraine back in 2014, we realized we had a different name. Uh, our ministry was called then Russian Ministries, although we were focused on all other nations in the former Soviet Union that included Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Moldova, all these 10 countries like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and others. So back in 2014, when Russia uh, invaded Ukrainian territory, we realized so the name Russian ministry was not really kind of appropriate if we want to continue reaching with the gospel all other nations that surround Russia. So we change our name then to Mission Eurasia, and that more kind of uh, precisely uh, describes the scope of our uh, work in the countries of the former Soviet Union that call now Eurasia. So we're everywhere there in all the countries of the former Soviet Union uh, and also in uh, Mongolia and Israel, where Mission Eurasia is focused on training the next generation of leaders for the evangelical church that carry on ministries transforming their communities, their nations for Christ. All right, Sergey, Mission Eurasia, president, founder there. Thank you. God bless. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Walker. All right, that's Sergey Rukaba, uh, and he said I did not get his name right. So that's all right. I got his first name right, but I'll work on that. I'll do, you know, they got the little tool out there where you can key in somebody's name, and it tells you how to pronounce it. I'll work on that after the show. But, hey, th on a serious note, the mission of Mission Eurasia is to evangelize, train, equip, and mobilize the next generation in Eurasia to lead churches in transforming their nations for Christ. So that's what Sergey works on, and he's focused on providing relief to uh, humanitarian relief to people uh, in uh, and Christians as well in uh, in Ukraine right now as we speak, which is in critical critical work. And I've called this thing a humanitarian disaster, humanitarian crisis on multiple occasions, and it truly is. And um, uh, the frustration, you know, that that I have with with the whole situation there is that you know so many times our government uses true disasters. They use uh, These are true disasters, and they use them uh, to enrich themselves. And it's absolutely shameful. And, uh, and then, and then uh, we've seen this happen over and over again before. So, you know, that, that, that's a, a truth that we need to not turn a blind eye to. We need to recognize the reality of, of how our government usually responds in terrible ways uh, to, to humanitarian needs. And we've got to uplift those who are doing it right. We've got to promote those who are doing it right. And Mission Eurasia, they're doing it right. And they're spending their funds wisely. Uh, the money's going to actually work on the ground and to help people in need. And so when people are doing it right, when Christians 
are reaching out their hand and helping people, we definitely need to promote that. So that's what we had on Sergey from Mission Eurasia. And we'll post a link to his website where you can read more about his work on our podcast page at AFR.net. Just go to the core podcast page at AFR.net and you can click through to missioneurasia.org. Well, moving on to a couple other topics for the show today. Uh, The vice president, you know, uh, everybody's predicted, most people have predicted, well, you know, if Biden can't make it through the first term, then here comes Kamala Harris (laughs) as the vice president. And who knows what's going to happen there? You know, I just don't see... President Biden running again for another term in 2024, but who knows? Who am I to speculate? But I'll tell you one thing. The vice president just doesn't seem to be up to the task. The vice president just doesn't seem to have it together. And uh, I want you to listen to this clip. This is uh, the vice president speaking at at an event, at a press conference. And tell me if you can make sense of this clip, clip three. That is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. With that, I thank you all. This is a matter of urgent priority for all of us, and I know we will work on this together. Well, you know, we're going to work on it and and together and we can do this, you know. Once again, we can work on this and together and let's listen to the vice president again. In her own words, Bobby, let's play it again. That is especially <laughs> true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. With that, I thank you all. This is a matter of urgent priority for all of us, and I know we will work on this together. So, folks, we're going to work on this together. Rest assured, we're going to work on this together. If you could all line up single file, we'll now proceed to the cafeteria where milk will be served. <laughs> oh, man, this is, you cannot make this stuff up. It's you can't make this stuff up, Bobby. Speech writers to be fired. Yeah, but this is the vice president of the, one of the most powerful nations in the world. And the speech writer uses working together five times in a matter of a hundred words. Working together. It's like she's never seen it before. Yeah, I know, and she's been a U.S. senator. She was an attorney general. I mean, this is not her first rodeo. Never studied anything that she was to say today. Yeah, that and day. that seems to be a common occurrence, though. I mean, most of these clips we play of her, she's traveling, and it's like on the plane ride, you know, usually you're reading your right. top-line messaging, mm-hmm. reading press releases, reading news reports, so you got all your talking points together. It's like she plays Nintendo on Air Force Two as she's going to Europe. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing, but this is our vice president, folks. This is our vice president, and I would say she's a step ahead of Biden, but I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. Even sometimes Biden sounds a little better than her when it comes to putting a sentence together and making sense of it all. Well, uh, the uh, speaking of the fentanyl that I talked about last segment on the border and uh, how many lethal doses have been crossing our border, and these are just uh, lethal doses that were apprehended 
or lethal doses that were um, mm. seized on right. the border. Not necess- This is not, of course, you can't count what you don't catch. So who knows what came all over that wasn't uh, seized at the border. But this group of families against fentanyl, an organization raising awareness about the dangers of, deadly synth- of the deadly synthetic opioid, are asking the Biden administration to count fentanyl poisoning and overdose deaths the same way it counted COVID-19 deaths. This is interesting, but a pretty novel idea. The organization, which is in regular communication with hundreds of individuals impacted by the opioid crisis, sent a letter to the DHS, Department of Health and Human Services, Secretary Xavier Becerra, and Center for Disease Control and Prevention Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky on May 10th, which the Drug Enforcement Administration, or the DEA, designated as National Fentanyl Awareness Day for the first time this year. The letter calls on Becerra and Walensky to publish usable Provisional fentanyl fatality data within six weeks of death, noting that a current six-month lag prevents experts from anticipating coming trends and from responding appropriately to the existing situation. So, you know, this is this is needed, and I don't know why it hasn't already been done. You know, we have this upper respiratory virus that comes in, this novel virus, and our government at the state and the federal level, they're just spinning uh, their wills, they're rushing around trying to get a, a, a mass national reporting database, and they got that. They got the states reporting every day, even down, down to the hour. They got, you know, the feds built the database. They did all this, all this working so that we could see basically in real time within a matter of a day or two the COVID-19 cases and deaths and all these statistics, age group, they broke it all down. Well, why don't we do the same thing with fentanyl, with overdoses? We need this data readily available. We need CNN to have the overdose tracker on their on their on their TV on the lower third, twenty four seven, just like they did with COVID. And you want to know why this probably won't happen? Because it can't be used, or it won't be used for political purposes. Neither one of the political parties want to use fentanyl and the overdose, the, tr- the tragedy of overdosing for political purposes. So if it can't be used for political purposes, well, then we just don't need it. There's not an urge for it. We do need this. We need to know how many people are dying from overdoses every day. We also need a real-time tracker of how many babies are being killed in the womb. AFA at the core. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.